This is Ayani. And this is Corinne. And welcome to another La Petite SLL, a sex, love, literature minisode. This episode, we wrap up our podcast keyword miniseries and ask the question, why literature? We talk about the differences between capital L and little l literature, the so-called canon, along with how and why we choose which books, TV shows, films, and other media we discuss on the pod. If you'd like to join the conversation and share your thoughts on literature, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SexLoveLit. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. All right, let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Sex Love Literature. I hope you all are doing very, very well. Thank you for tuning in to listen to us. So this episode is going to be the wrap up for our three part mini mini series i guess mini mini <laughs> mini mini i don't know i feel like three episodes is very small but i mean so yes but also i was thinking our definition of la petite sll <laughs> is 20 to 30 minutes is yo a lie. it basically just means it might not be an hour and a half but like it might still be an hour <laughs> She's so so yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. We first started court recording these episodes. We were like, I was like, yes, 20 to 30 minutes. We're gonna keep it tight. We're gonna keep it small. They're gonna be bite-sized conversations. And then here we go, finishing episodes that are like 50 fucking minutes long. It's like, okay. <laughs> so much for love. And we invested so much effort into figuring out what the name for these episodes were going to be. And we're like, La Petite, yes, they're small, they're bite-sized. They're not. It's a lie. But anyhow, this is the third (laughs) of our (laughs) explorations of the keywords of our title. So first we did Why Sex, the next one we did was Why Love, and then this, of course, would be Why Literature. This one I think we're both really excited to talk about because literature broadly is something that I think has been formative and very important to both of us. I think this is also a subject that we both have established rants that we like to Mm. get on our soapboxes about (laughs) so yeah yeah and I will say that we have been asked more than once why is it sex love literature if y'all don't talk about any books. So we're going to unpack some of that today, thinking about what literature means to us, what it means for us as quote unquote literature scholars to be doing this kind of podcast and taking it from there. But first, (laughs) let's do a What's Sparking Joy. So to refresh, What's Sparking Joy is a little segment that we do in which we do a rapid fire conversation about the different kinds of media, be that film, television, video games, music, etc., that is bringing a little light to our lives. But we're not necessarily going to spend an hour and a half talking about them on this particular Yet. episode. Yet. <laughs> dot dot dot. <laughs> so Corinne, what is sparking joy for you? So what is sparking joy for me is surprise surprise, a K-drama. <laughs> uh, 
The one I am currently, the one of, I think, four I'm currently watching actually is called Hometown Cha-Cha-Cha. I deeply love it. It's set in a small town in South Korea instead of Seoul because most dramas tend to be set in Seoul. Mm -hmm. So I love the small small town hijinks. But we're probably going to end up doing a deep dive on that show. So instead of talking about the show right now, I am instead going to talk about the actor who (laughs) plays the male lead. His name is Kim Sono. And I deeply love him. She finally has a bias, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. She sent me a message on Instagram. She was like, I think I found him. I have found my bias. I was like, congratulations. I mean, it took me a very long time. So, I mean, I don't know. There's, there's been a lot of like actors, Korean actors, that I've been very into. And I'm still into most of them. But like... Kim Sol No Man. I don't know. Something about him is like it's those dimples, girl. That's what she said. Yeah, I think it's the dimples. I don't know. And he's like very tall, and he's he's super cute. And also, like it helps that the character he's playing on this show is like very handy and very helpful, and like shows up when you need him. And since right now I like just finished moving and just like need <laughs> hand, like I I. I spent 30 minutes last night putting together my desk chair and could not for the life of me get the chair onto the base. I was like, <laughs> no, I just but... need, I just need this man to show up and help me put together my desk chair. Oh, no, but... so... I'm sorry. But anyway, so what's sparking joy? It's Kim Sono. I love him. I will be going back and watching everything in his back catalog, including another one that I'm watching right now is Startup, which I spent a year not watching because it looked stressful and I didn't want to. But he's in it and he's the second male lead. So now I'm almost done with it. And I spent a year not watching that drama on purpose. You just needed the right uh, catalyst, let's say, the right impetus to get you watching it. (laughs) Uh, so that is the main thing that's sparking joy but something else that is also sparking joy that I'm going to do a little plug for uh, I'm going to be a guest panelist on the podcast Afternoon of Delight which is one of our podcast friends yeah we call them our podcast unis right? yeah Yeah, so it's a podcast with three American romance authors who look at K-dramas from a writer's lens, and the subject of the episode that I will be guesting on will be favorite K-drama kisses. But So I'm also enjoying going back through like my back catalog of dramas that I've seen to figure out which kisses are the most interesting to me. So I'm just going to cast my vote right now uh, (laughs) for It's Okay to Not Be Okay, because we spent quite some time talking about that in our episode on it's okay to not be okay those were spicy kisses we did so there was even a deer (laughs) so a couple of things that i've been thinking about as i'm sort of like trying to narrow that down are like because there are some kisses that have been like hot and otherwise Mm. like very medium dramas so i'm I'm Mm. thinking for example of the bride of the water god which was like very very fine but the kiss in that drama was like a lot. It was it was very good. There are some there are some actors and actresses that just like know how to kiss on screen, I think. Mm, that's but I fair. think I think when I'm picking my favorites, I'll probably also take into account sort of narrative impact because I think that also matters to me and not just the spiciness. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I some people may come for me when I say this and say that I'm lying, but I am not just here to watch people make out. 
Well, I'm not. I mean, you know, usually when we talk about people making out, it's usually, you know, for the deeper context. I mean, sometimes <laughs> we're just like, man, that kiss was hot. But usually we have things to say about why people are kissing. So, like, I support you. So I support you. Two things that are sparking joy for me. Hometown cha-cha-cha. Kim Sono and I guess this is three and the Afternoon of Delight podcast. <laughs> Which you also go check out. Yes, it's very fun. We'll throw um, a link in our bio. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Ayani, what's sparking joy for you? All right. I'm going to go rapid fire because I always end up talking way too long whenever we do this. But the first for me is Yumi's Cells, which is a K-drama that is just debuting on Vicky. Part of the reason that it sparks so much joy for me is this is a webtoon that I was reading and absolutely adored. One of my students actually put me on to Yumi's Cells, and I am forever grateful to that student because I really, really, really love it. And I'm really enjoying watching the adaptation choices that they're making in moving from a comic to a live action. And I have feelings about adaptations of comics and feelings about adaptations of animation, but that is a conversation for another day. But Yumi Cells, definitely sparking joy. Uh, I've also been watching The Devil Judge, which is a stressful show, but I'm very <laughs> into it. Um, I'm constantly texting Corinne because this is one she fell off of. And I'm like, please go back and watch it because I need someone to talk to about this show. But part of what is sparking joy for me with Devil Judge is the main actor, Jisung. Um, and he's apparently a K-drama actor with a very, very long history. And I totally get it. I'm so convinced by him in this role as a devil <laughs> judge. But also this man has insane cheekbones. And I can't stop looking at his face when his hair is down, when his forehead is exposed. I'm just like, why is, how? I don't understand how gorgeous he is. But yeah, also. So it's the dimples and cheekbones for us, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the theme of the episode is dimples and cheekbones. Um, but it also, his cheekbones remind me a lot of like Manny Jacinto's cheekbones. And I think this is now a thing that I'm going to be paying attention to <laughs> is the the drama in the cheeks, I suppose. <laughs> but The Devil Judge is great. I highly recommend it. Um, I'm not all the way through, but I have a lot of feelings and would love to talk to somebody about that. And finally, uh, I am slowly making my way through, though I watched a lot yesterday because I was tired, but I'm slowly making my way through season three of Sex Education. And honestly, I think this is my favorite season so far oh, of all of them. Uh, but one of the things that I'm really loving about it, and this is, again, another conversation for another day, is that the Black characters are not isolated in their Blackness. And I think they started making changes to that in the second season. But- all of the black characters that are kind of like the main focal point black characters have in this season other black people that are circling around them. And that's something that I kind of always catch or pay attention to in films when there are black main characters is it's like, okay, are you the only black person for miles and miles and miles? Do we not see your family? Do you have no other black friends? It's just something that like I pay attention to. So it's really nice to kind of see interaction between black folks. Um, and as a, a minor spoiler that I don't think anyone will get mad at me if they haven't watched season three yet, but Eric and his family go back to Nigeria for a wedding. So yeah, Ooh. yeah. So it's a lot of fun to see like Eric's extended family in Lagos and in a Nigerian setting. So that's a lot of fun. And also I've been like shazamming all of the songs that I don't recognize. So I might be listening to Afrobeats for the rest of the day. Sounds great um, to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that might be my... It's cheekbones, dimples, and Afrobeats. But 
<laughs> that's what's sparking joy for me. Rapid fire. Um, a lot of TV because that's just kind of where my head is right now. Um, but yeah, so joy has been sparked. <laughs> also, I'm apparently really corny today. I don't know. Maybe I should just embrace it. Like, <laughs> what is what's the meme where it's like, I don't care that I'm cringe. I, I'm cringe, so I am free. I don't know. But anyhow. I'll take your word for it. I appreciate you. This is why we're friends. So getting to the main topic at hand, why literature? Y'all can't see me making hand gestures. I don't know why I'm making hand gestures, but I did for why literature. <laughs> so Corinne, if I'm going to throw this question at you, but when we put literature in the title, kind of what were we thinking? Does it does having literature as part of the podcast title maybe cause some people to look at our show a particular way? Like, what are, what are your thoughts about kind of having literature as part so, of how we sell ourselves? So I think the first, <laughs> first two reasons that jump to mind about why we put literature in the title. Uh, first is the alliteration with love. Uh, second. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yes. <laughs> Uh, and second, I think, is because we are English literature scholars. Mm -hmm. um, We're getting PhDs in English literature. Mm -hmm. So it's part of, I think, our scholarly identities. Yeah, definitely. And we didn't want this just to be a review podcast mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. review mm -hmm. podcasts are great. I like them a lot. I listen yeah. to many of them. But we wanted something a little bit meatier I think and mm, a little bit mm -hmm. more analytic so I think that's why I don't know we did like sex love literature as opposed to like sex love tv shows or like <laughs> I mean not that there's anything wrong with that but I think another piece of it as well that we will now get into is mm -hmm. the definition that we have for literature is a very yeah. expansive one mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I think it it didn't necessarily even occur to me to hesitate at calling our podcast sex love literature mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. to me literature already encompasses books comics tv shows films any kind of media that has some sort of narrative to it that mm -hmm. i can sort of sink my teeth into yeah so this leads to kind of a larger conversation that i know i've had or been a part of multiple times over the course of my graduate education. But the idea of capital L literature versus lowercase literature, right? Mm -hmm. And it's – I think Corinne and I don't necessarily abide by that kind of distinction, right? That mm -hmm. capital L literature is – and correct me if I'm wrong here because this is kind of my understanding. But when I hear capital L literature, I hear like, oh, that's Shakespeare. That's Marlowe. That's mm -hmm. Toni Morrison. These are these pieces of classic text-based printable literature that kind of make up the quote-unquote canon, which we have kind of – railed on before in a previous episode mm -hmm. well and like by by canon we mean text that as a whole and this is something that people argue with that like texts that are quote-unquote worthy of study yeah mm -hmm. um so mm -hmm. like that is your like established authors but i think even then the authors that we think of so the canon i think is a lot more malleable than we 
often are led to believe it is. So, like, for example, even an author like Jane Austen, who is decidedly in the canon, only got into the canon, like, within the last 50 years. Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, you mean, know, she was a woman's author. Yeah. I mean, me mentioning Toni Morrison as part yeah. of capital L literature is kind of, I don't want to say a political stance, but, like, Toni Morrison, I would say, was only added to the canon within the last, like, 20 years. Is that fair yeah. to say? Because I know I studied um, Toni Morrison in high school. Which I think that I think that Toni Morrison maybe, I mean, and this is one of the reasons that the canon is problematic because obviously Toni Morrison is brilliant and writes excellent books, <laughs> right? <laughs> but also like there there is this tendency because the canon is exclusionary to be like, oh well, yes. like now we have a black author in the canon, we don't need any more. We have right. Toni Morrison, right. and that's mm-hmm. obviously untrue. Bunk, yeah. We and that's again a longer conversation. <laughs> But I guess kind of thinking about capital L literature, that's kind of, in my brain, the connection that's made. Like mm-hmm. the the literature worth study, right? Well, and, and traditionally, the canon is very white, very male, very Western. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And anything outside of that is an exception. And there is, I think, a move within literature studies that we are a part of not just to expand the canon but to get rid of the notion of the canon altogether Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because it does more harm than good yeah i think expand expand examine or exterminate perhaps (laughs) are are we uh daleks from dr here now oh god I was I was running with the ease since you said alliteration, but I mean I, I think there are all uh, different kinds of ways of thinking about how to handle kind of a quote unquote canon, right? Um, and we all have different feelings about that. But kind of on the flip side of that, you have lowercase l literature, which I still think Corinne and I have a very broad understanding of because a lot of times people will say literature and they mean books. But when we say literature, we mean, as you were saying, almost anything with a narrative that you can really get into. Mm -hmm. So one of uh, an exercise that I did with some of my undergrads was I had them like get up and stand on either side of the room and make decisions on what kinds of texts were literature. And I think this was a lot of fun because honestly, I don't have an answer for all of them, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, I showed like a picture of Naruto, the manga on the screen and they were like, most of them were like, yeah, that's literature. And then they went to the other side. Um, But then I showed like a clip from a wrestling promotion. And I was like, okay, is this literature? And that was a bit more divided. And then I put Mm -hmm. up lyrics to, oh, I think it was Bohemian Rhapsody. So I put up lyrics to that and I was like, okay, is Queen, is Bohemian Rhapsody literature? And what happens if we're just reading the lyrics versus listening to the song, does that change your understanding of what literature is? And mm-hmm. if we move from Queen to say Lil Nas X, do you then have a line for literature between that? Um, which I think if you do, you have some deep thinking <laughs> that you need to engage in. Well, and I, I think what's happening here is there are two different sort of divides when we think about the word literature. There's both uh-huh. the sort of highbrow established canonness of the Mm -hmm. author or creator Mm -hmm. or songwriter or whatever Mm -hmm. and then there is a question of medium right because Mm -hmm. and and i'm a little less salty at colleagues who don't think about like film as 
literature, if by literature they are like, oh, well, like it needs to be a book. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't agree with them, but I'm not mad at them the way I am if someone's <laughs> like, I'm, I will only read Henry James. Like, okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, like, like there's there, there, there's one way to approach it that makes me angry and one way to approach it that makes me like, okay, well, I, I don't I don't agree with you, but that's fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that in part also stems from the disciplines within English mm-hmm. literature that Corinne and I are a part of, because as you all well know, uh, I'm a comics and animation person. Corinne is a children's literature person. And both of our disciplines are, I don't want to say relatively new, because I feel like newness in the concept of the academy is very different from like newness in a broader sense, if that makes sense. But comics have not been taken seriously, say, as long as Shakespeare has been taken seriously within mm-hmm. the Academy. And and then the, and the same for children's literature. I think comics yeah. might be even newer than I think so. children's literature. I think so. so. Because comics, so film had to kind of make its way into the Academy first or have that fight of being considered as something worth a critical study, which it sounds weird to think about. Like, of course, films are worth critical study, right? But it's the same kind of thing with comics is comics had to kind of make that fight to say, we're not just, you know, ephemeral pieces that you can ignore. But also, I think there's a large conversation about ephemeral pieces also mattering but that's neither here nor there but that (laughs) comics are something worthy of study and attention yada 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 so Mm -hmm. i think in a lot of ways and feel free to disagree with me here but it feels like a lot of us while we take our area of scholarship not for granted but kind of like of course it's worth studying there are people who still need to be convinced that that is the case yeah and i think one way that that's pretty evident is like if we look at various english departments across i don't know i guess i don't know about other national contexts but Mm -hmm, like across mm -hmm. the united states most programs have like a victorianist and a shakespearean mm-hmm. and an early americanist and like these sort of a step and this is this is moving a little bit away from like hiring people based on the period they study to like different mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. like an african-american literature specialist mm-hmm. and things like that colonial studies and things like that mm-hmm. yeah. so that is at least broadening a little bit but like beyond that most places don't have a children's literature specialist or a comic specialist mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's still outside the norm yeah, yeah. And, and it's, part of that it, – it's part of it is because, like, it's not just that they're like, oh, like, that would be neat and extra, but we just won't have it. It's like, oh, there is nothing worthy of study in children's literature and comics at all. Why would we have someone here who does that? Right. And it's changing. It's changing. It's not that there are not people who do this kind of work, obviously, because we are not – we are not the first, right, oh, to yeah. make these kinds of decisions. <laughs> no, no, no. There are a lot of established – scholars doing a lot of fantastic and interesting work but there are also still people who will kind of look down on that kind of research and I think that's also part of the reason that we have this kind of broad thought process and when I say we I mean Corinne and I have this broad thought process about what literature is and what it means Mm -hmm. you know like yeah I, I think in a lot of ways we do not put lines around literature because 
we think a lot of it, if not all of it, is worthy of somebody looking at. And we only really talk about it and bring it up to be grumpy about it, not to like draw extra lines. You know what I mean? Well, and I do think this is something I think about in my like in my academic work. I think on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, this is maybe an interesting question. Like in my academic work, even within children's literature, there is still, I think, a question for me is what is worth the time of writing about? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's because mm-hmm. like I think a book is particularly good, even if it wasn't very widely read, or if I think it deals with like a subject like, say, <laughs> sexual assaults in right. an interesting mm-hmm. way. But sometimes it's like, oh, this book is very, very popular and being super widely read. Yeah. We should think about why or what ideologies it's passing on. But then for the podcast, I mean, there is the sort of the metric of like, will people listen to us talk about it? (laughs) (laughs) So we have to maybe think about popularity a little bit more. Yeah. And not that it's the only thing that we think about, but like, because I think partially because there are so few children's literature scholars, but so much children's literature that's Mm. continually being churned out. There is a time to talk about everything. So there does need to be some sort of selection and it's not Mm. that I only write about things that I think other people will care about because sometimes my job is to be like I care about this I think it's important yeah I will Mm -hmm. I'm going to convince Mm -hmm. you that you should care about it too right but it there is there I think is still some sort of selection criteria that goes on it's just not is this capital L literature it's right different criteria that we take into account yeah no absolutely and I mean part of I think what helps the selection i'm putting quotes around this selection criteria is <laughs> time because academic publishing is very very slow mm-hmm. if you're going the kind of traditional journal publishing academic text route and not necessarily like the public humanities route it, it takes a long time for people to get their work out there in mm-hmm. the way that the podcast doesn't i mean i know we're slow sometimes but i'm a grad <laughs> student and it takes me a long time to edit things i'm learning but like it's not the same amount of time as like when i write in a piece for an edited collection and when it actually gets published and put out there oh, you know like- for, so for scale, my first article uh, from when I first submitted it to when it was published was about two years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. And you want to make sure that you're investing in something, A, that you care about, right? B, that you have something really to say about that thing. But C, also, <laughs> when two years goes by, like, do you still want to stand by the work that you've done? I mean, mm-hmm. like with the podcast, I'm sure – Two years from now, we might look back on some things like, "Mm, my opinion on that has changed. You know what I mean? But I just, I don't know. For me, it feels a little bit different in how I feel about throwing, kind of throwing things at the wall to see how they stick with kind of what we do here. Well, and I do also think there is a little bit more freedom in doing that. Like, Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know, like we are just like giving our opinions sometimes or like saying that someone's dimples and cheekbones are really great and I don't got to get that peer reviewed. I know it's true. (laughs) Wait, no, I'm I'm peer reviewing for you right now. (laughs) I am your peer and it is true. (laughs) They are great. This wasn't double blind peer review, but like I support. (laughs) But like this is this is more of an exploration some of the time than it is like making solid claims. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of one of the reasons that we pick things for the podcast to talk about like yes there is that as you were saying like well people actually listen to us talk about this but a lot of times it's like okay we think something interesting is happening and we Mm -hmm. just kind of want to 
have a conversation about it and hear someone else's thoughts on it. So like I remember when we were watching It's Okay to Not Be Okay mm-hmm. and we were both like, there is some interesting shit happening in this episode. And I was a little worried about how to have those conversations while oh, we were yeah. watching. I had to like pull you to talk about that yeah. one, I think, even though yeah. we just kept having so much to say about it. Yeah. And and, and I think I think part of that actually – so thinking about – I don't know, just the things we feel confident talking about in the podcast is being willing yeah. to have opinions about something, even if it's not our specific area of expertise. Mm, like we mm-hmm, don't mm-hmm. not that I, I should be out here making claims about things that I know nothing about. Oh yeah. But like I know <laughs> enough about like disability studies to at least sort of like be aware of sort of the general contours of those conversations. Mm, so then when we mm-hmm, talk about mm-hmm. something like it's okay to not be okay, I can think about that and ask maybe interesting questions but not necessarily be making claims that like I'm the expert I guess yeah yeah and yeah and I think okay that's another difference I know this wasn't (laughs) our conversation has kind of become like weighing the difference between what we do on the podcast and what we do in our own academic work but I think it's worth worth kind of poking at a little bit and thinking about quote-unquote why literature because uh, I think you're absolutely right. I don't feel the same need to be an expert when we talk about things, even as we pull on our expertise. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're a- allowed to be a little bit more effective, i.e. speak a little bit more emotionally mm-hmm. about things without having to kind of be only the bearers of factual correct information Mm -hmm. um and not that facts aren't important that's not what i'm saying (laughs) but more like you know we can have feelings about things like for example if we compare something like the promising young woman episode to our bridgerton episode which were two that i liked a lot but did very very different things Mm -hmm. the promising young woman episode leaned more into like we're citing people we have definitions that we're reading to you. We have quotes that we're using, which kind of is a little bit more academic papery versus Bridgerton where we were like, hey, these are the things we study. This is what we're pulling on. These things feel uncomfortable, but also the Duke and the Box of Ran are very hot and we also need to talk <laughs> about that. You know, so I'm going to kind of wind myself up there, but I do, I do think it's kind of interesting how under the banner of the study of literature, the podcast is giving us this way of exploring another way of talking about these kinds of things that are important to us that might not necessarily make the cut in an academic writing kind of way. Well, and it's also, I think it allows us, and maybe this, we can also talk about why we pick the things we pick for the podcast and how we pick them. But part of yeah. that, like, if we think about Bridgerton and Promising Young Woman and Korean dramas mm-hmm. and a lot of the things we're talking about, those are also not comics or children's literature. Yeah, yeah. So it allows us to spend time on things that we are watching because they spark joy. Right. Or because they are doing something very, very interesting that's, like, adjacent to the questions we are asking Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and sort of ask the questions and have the kind of conversations that we enjoy having anyway, like, in English literature classrooms about 
texts, <laughs> using yeah. also texts very broadly mm-hmm. from a variety of spaces that we wouldn't necessarily publish about, but that we care right. about. Right. No, absolutely. And it also gives us the flexibility to kind of watch something and be like, oh, there's something cool happening here. Let's talk about it, which you don't necessarily get to do in a classroom or in a prescribed space or place. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of our episodes have happened because Corinne will say, hey, I'm going to start watching this. Or I'll be like, hey, I've found this weird thing on Netflix that we should talk about, you know. So it it, it definitely gives us some flexibility, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that kind of ties back into our conversation about what literature is because I think there is that flexibility there, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, where am I going with this? I think a lot of what we're doing with the podcast and with our conversations about literature and our thoughts about literature is kind of trying to, A, show that a lot of these things are doing interesting stuff but are also worth talking about and maybe Mm -hmm. bend and expand some people's reactions to or understanding of the media that they are watching, reading, intaking. But also, I guess kind of speaking back to the academy in some ways if that makes sense Mm -hmm. you know and about what it means to be an academic I don't know that might be too heady well and also just more generally like thinking about accessibility to a public audience and talking to people that are not just like also getting PhDs Mm -hmm, although mm -hmm. shout out to everyone also getting a PhD this shit is hard it's very Uh, difficult especially in a (laughs) pandemic like what Mm. But, I'm sorry. <laughs> but speaking to other people, uh, like thinking about – because I think the ways – this is maybe circling back to like the what our podcast is about and why mm-hmm. we were talking about not just literature but specifically sex and love in literature is because we are deeply invested in the ways that sex and different kinds of love are depicted in popular culture yep. because there is this sort of reciprocal relationship between people's lived realities and what we see depicted in texts and Mm -hmm. like i'm not saying that you'll see that weird sex scene on i don't know riverdale and be like i'm gonna try that now but it (laughs) (laughs) i don't even watch riverdale i don't know why that's the one i I went with (laughs) okay (laughs) it does affect like the way we think about it and the way we approach it yes and i think that is something that i am particularly cognizant of as a children's and young adult literature scholar because I Mm -hmm. think like I'm teaching a class on sex and children's and young adult literature right now and one of the things we're thinking a lot about in the class is like how much of what is happening in these books is just being like picked up out of the book and put into the young and put into young readers brains and I do Mm. think that that I think is erasing a lot of the like critical reading skills that young readers have but also like for sensitive topics like sex that young people don't necessarily feel comfortable talking to adults about or asking Mm -hmm, questions mm -hmm, about or like mm -hmm. don't have access to like adequate sex education information that could answer those questions like if Mm -hmm. they're pulling their knowledge of how sex works from a court of thorns and roses by sarah j mass where the male lead growls like that is a problem (laughs) well hold on wait a minute the male lead growling is a problem because That's not specifically the problem. I was going to say. I don't need to be out here calling out Sarah J. Mass. She writes very interesting stories and her books sell a lot and keep a lot of other authors afloat. But like, there's just something about her sex scenes, man. They're so weird. I'm just saying, sometimes a little growling is not a terrible thing. 
but I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> We're not going to go there. Anyway, that, that could get into conversations <laughs> about uh, the human and the post-human and the line between human and animal and fairy. I'm a monster study scholar. Like, I can't, I can't look down on the growling, okay? But continue. That wasn't the important part. <laughs> the important part is we should think critically about how sex is depicted in literature. <laughs> <laughs> to add one more kind of tongue-in-cheek reason for why I guess literature is especially broad in our podcast is that we're tired like (laughs) (laughs) okay so let me be a little bit more specific but like I do like reading don't get me wrong I love to read it's part of the reason that I am doing a fucking PhD in English literature but like there's a lot happening in our lives. There are a lot of things that we're expected to read. There's a lot of things we need to read for the work that they're that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just want to watch something. Sometimes I just want to play Destiny with my family and not be, you know, pouring through something that's 500 pages. So the fact that we can still apply kind of, I don't want to say apply our critical thinking skills, but like our academic brains are still working most of the time mm-hmm. when we're watching things. So it's nice to be able to pull in the things that maybe are not taking as much as much energy to that get through. Things that don't feel like work. Yeah, things that don't feel like work. So like, for example, I know, Corinne, for a lot of reasons, sometimes you draw the line and you're like, I'm not going to write anything academic about K-dramas. I'm just not going to do it because you don't want to like – make that activity that's become such a place of happiness and relaxation for you into a place of work, Mm -hmm. right? Well, and I think this is particularly complicated for the two of us because part of the reason we study children's literature and comics is because Mm -hmm. those are things that we love and love Mm -hmm. to read Mm -hmm. and have always Mm -hmm. loved to read. But like going to read particular like young adult fantasy right now is work for me, even Mm -hmm. though that is like my – genre of choice most of the time mm-hmm, whenever mm-hmm. i pick it up it's like oh is should this be in my dissertation right mm-hmm. should i write an mm-hmm. article about this what article would i write about this and i it just is hard to do when that's what i'm doing for work the rest mm-hmm. of the time to want to do that for fun in the same way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think in the same way is a key word here because it doesn't mean that we're not looking at those things for fun like you know i pick up comics because i'm like oh i want to read this this is fun this is exciting but that doesn't mean that then my brain isn't worrying you know so mm-hmm. sometimes putting on sex education gets my brain working in a different way i wonder if that's why sex education hasn't worked for me in the same way that it has it might. for you because it might. it's it's so to be clear, we mean sex education, the show on Netflix, which is yes. a, which is basically about high schoolers in the UK and their sex stuff in it. But mm-hmm. like for me, th- that's work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Looking at how consent is working, look at how teenagers talk about and learn about sex. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's something that's interesting to consider because like on the flip side, you know, I am really enjoying Yumi Cells, but like literally we watched that first episode and my brain was like, we could write an article about adaptation in Yumi mm-hmm. Cells. And it was like, I might do that. That might be fun and wonderful for me. But right now I'm just 
watching it to enjoy it, not watching it to take notes, not watching it to, you know, highlight these moments of interesting adaptation between medium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, or narrative resonance or whatever the, the fuck you want to say. So, you know, we are obviously going to read books for the podcast. We read Red, 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 White, and Royal Blue and had a conversation about that. There are some other books that we kind of have in the rotation. There are some comics that I'm throwing onto our list to get Corinne to read. But sometimes it's nice to watch a movie and talk about it mm-hmm. and not expect it to turn into an essay, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's that's another reason. So there's a lot, honestly, that does go into us picking things to talk about on mm-hmm. SLL. You know, sometimes it's just like, this was fun. We want to talk about it. Sometimes it's like, we think it's important to have this conversation and bring it to a broader audience. But sometimes we just want to watch a movie. <laughs> yeah, so TLDR, why don't y'all talk about books? Because we talk about them too much for work. Yeah, because we're sleepy and we deserve to watch TV too. Damn it. But no, jokes aside, anything else you want to add? I feel like we kind of went down a lot of twisty paths, but. No, I think, yeah, the biggest takeaway that I would want people to come away with from this podcast is that that we mean a lot of things by literature and that should be inclusive and an invitation rather than something used to exclude people or different kinds of media. No, I agree. I think an invitation is a great way to put it right one of the things we said i think it was in why sex is that part of the reason we're even doing this podcast is to help kind of expand people's minds about the things that they're reading especially when sex and love and romance are involved so yeah i think it's an invitation to participate in these conversations and that it doesn't have to be capital l literature in order for it to matter that the conversations we're having about pop culture are almost just as important if not more important than the conversations that are being had about, you know, uh, about things in the quote unquote canon. I feel like I've been bagging on Shakespeare a lot. I actually like Shakespeare. I was a pre-1800 scholar, like (laughs) in undergrad. So like, I'm not, I'm not saying that those kinds of things aren't important, but like there are broader conversations to be had. So I think an invitation is kind of, that was a good choice of words. Good job, Corinne. Thanks. All right, so we've been saying that we're going to talk about various things on future episodes for a long time, but as has previously been established with Shits Creek, we are liars, including to ourselves. So (laughs) coming down the pipeline are our interview with Coyote Shook. Uh, That will be up as soon as it's edited. Yes. Interviews Uh, are interesting to edit. This is the first time we've done an interview, so it's kind of an experiment for us. So we'd really like to hear your feedback when that one goes live on how that episode works for you guys. But after that, we are going to, as Ayani keeps saying, because apparently she likes to make sports metaphors for some reason, we are calling an audible. (laughs) Why you called me out like that? (laughs) But we're going to do an episode on hometown cha-cha-cha for fun and for Kim's on those dimples. Uh, (laughs) Something that we forgot to mention when Corinne was talking about hometown cha-cha-cha sparking joy for her is that my spouse, Andrew, is also mm. watching it with her and has decided that he wants to be ahead of her. 
It's so funny. It's it's also absurd. I watch so many, like, I'm currently watching, like, 4K dramas, and the only reason, like, he started to date the episode that dropped today before me, and the only reason he managed to do that is because I went to yoga this morning, but he, like, saw that as a great victory for himself. So what this means is is that he will likely be on the Hometown Cha-Cha-Cha episode, especially since it means that we are pushing back the Your Name episode, which he has been clamoring for so yeah you get to enjoy his antics live on, <laughs> on the radio or not live pre-recorded <laughs> on the radio where did that come from <laughs> i don't know i don't know but so if you are the kind of person who likes to quote unquote do your homework for this podcast watch hometown cha-cha-cha it is excellent i love it and also it's on netflix Yes, it is on Netflix. It is. I got a, a an advertisement the other day that it is exclusively on Netflix. So that is where you will find it. One other thing worth mentioning, I hope I'll get this edited fast enough, but Corinne and I are actually going to be participating in the, what is it, Humanities Podcasting Symposium mm-hmm. on October 16th. So it's a free event. Uh, we'll post a link to the registration page in the show notes. But if you would like to hear Corinne and I talk a bit about finding your podcast voice as a host you can register for the humanities podcast symposium it looks like there's going to be a lot of other great presentations that are happening other workshops that are happening so feel free to check it out it is completely free and it is the weekend of october 16th so that's i think the 16th and the the 15th the friday and the 16th the saturday if i'm remembering correctly but i don't know time I know it's all it's all alive, but check in the show notes. The link to the Eventbrite page will have the correct dates. But that should be a lot of fun. It's really interesting. I think this is the first time they're doing this symposium, so I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to getting together with other academic and quote unquote semi academic podcasters to hear their thoughts on what podcasting in the humanities is like. So you know we're making it big, y'all. We doing big things out here. <laughs> But if you have opinions about what literature is or you have a suggestion for what capital L or lowercase l literature you would like us to talk about next, (laughs) uh, please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at sexlovelit, all one word. And if you'd be so kind, if you could subscribe and or leave us a review, that helps other people to find us and also listen to us talk about what literature is. And as a note, as far as leaving reviews, you can leave reviews on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, perhaps, and Podchaser. Spotify doesn't let you leave reviews, but also it's still nice when you subscribe because we see our little subscriber number go up. And that gives us a hit of dopamine. Also, it helps people find us. It's not just for the dopamine. I mean, is it not just for the dopamine? Okay, it's just for Ayani's dopamine. No other reasons. (laughs) For my fix. For no other reason. But with that, this has been another quote unquote la petite episode of (laughs) SFL. Again, you see, we are liars. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.